Welcome to the Industries in Motion podcast from RBC Capital Markets, where we take the time to explore what's new and what's next in today's fast-moving industries to help you stay ahead of the curve. My name is Peter Dawkins, and I'm the product manager here in London for RBC Capital Markets. And I'm delighted today to be joined by James Edward Jones Hello. and Emma Leatherin, who head up our consumer staples team here in the UK. And I'm really excited to have them on today because they've done a really interesting piece of analysis that looks at the brewing industry. And really, it tells the story of an industry in change. And what we have known historically over the past five to 10 years may very well be quite different from what we know in the future. And so before we hop into it, James, maybe you can just give a bit of a brief on on the analysis that you've done and, and what's so unique about it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Peter. One thing I would pick you up on is you referred to the brewing industry. We've actually tried to look at the wider alcoholic beverages industry. So beer, yes, but also spirits, also wine, which I think is very important to the whole competitive dynamic of the industry, which we've really tried to look at through the, through the mechanism of game theory. And you know I'm going to ask game theory, can we hear a little bit more on that and, and, and really how we should think about it in a traditional financial analysis sense? Yes, so game theory basically demonstrates how individuals interact in a dynamic environment. And when we say dynamic, um, what we basically mean is your decisions impact how the other person acts and vice versa. Um, And we basically look particularly at prisoner's dilemma, which we won't go completely into detail right now, but it's all over the internet if you want to get a bit more information. But basically, it says that the optimal outcome happens when all individuals work together. But actually, because individuals are incentivized by their own self-interest, you often don't get to that optimal outcome. Um, and so how it relates to this you know, topic of global beverages is that companies are the same. So the optimal outcome would be if everyone didn't do marketing, for example, because then you, no one gains or loses market share and you save money on not having to invest in marketing. But actually what it happens in reality is that companies do invest in marketing out of their own self-interest and you get to actually a sub-optimal outcome collectively. Well, can we walk through that a bit more and, and maybe go beyond just the, the theory of it? Can we can we tie that directly back to the, the brewers and, and talk a bit about how you've seen that play out historically? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is that for the last 20 years, it sort of hasn't played out. What I mean by that is that really for most of that time, the brewing industry has been focused on consolidation. You've seen huge numbers of mergers and acquisitions happening in the brewing industry. So particularly the big three global brewers, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, Heineken and Carlsberg, have taken a greater and greater share of the global brewing industry. But at the same time, they've slightly taken their eye off the ball in terms of organic ongoing competition. So the the prisoner's dilemma, as Emma described it, it sort of hasn't been working in the brewing industry for the last decade or so anyway, because that's not really been the focus of attention for the management of these big brewing companies. And I think that ties back to, to what you said at the beginning, which is that this is not a brewing industry. This is a, a brewers of spirits and an alcohol industry. So I guess if, is it fair to say that the brewers perhaps lost sight of their, their spirits competitors or they haven't been competitive enough or, or really, how do you see that environment changing now that we've kind of seen the, the, the play out of not paying attention to, to the spirits companies and then potentially taking share from the brewers? So it's hard to tell what the brewers expected, you know, back back then when they were con- consolidating. But what we can say, it very much has played out that, you know, in in 
the prisoner's dilemma, it says that if one person acts in not marketing and the other person markets, the person that is doing the marketing will massively win. And we've definitely seen that with the Brewers and Spirits. The Spirits companies have globally taken nearly 250 bips of market share, while the Brewers have actually been losing share because they've been cutting marketing whilst the Spirits have been investing in marketing. So this all seems so obvious now that there's been negative impacts, but are you, you know, we say the tides of change are happening now. What, what have you actually seen that's leading you to think that this change is coming? Um, and, and perhaps what gives you confidence that that change actually will happen? I suppose what, what gives us confidence is partly to, to, to Emma's point, marketing really works. We all like to think as consumers that we're immune to advertising. It doesn't really have any effect on us. I promise you it does, or at least it has a enough effect on enough of the population to make it worth these companies spending billions of dollars on it every, every, every year. Now, in terms of times, the times changing, we've had comments from Anheuser-Busch InBev, from Heineken, effectively admitting what, what we're talking about, that they've been over-fixated on consolidating the industry, and by implication, they've been less, uh, less conscious of competition for market share but also actually competition for the beer category as a whole. And one, one statistically ridiculous way of thinking about this, but we think it's quite interesting, is that a recent uh, Investor Day with Heineken, they talked about the category, the beer category, about three times more than they did at a similar event in 2018. And we've seen something similar from AB InBev as well. The category is getting much greater attention now, and we think that's symptomatic of, of, of the brewers collectively deciding that they need to, they need to compete again. And do you think <clears throat> we've entered the stage where they're actually beginning to action that, or is it more rhetoric at this stage? Or, or I guess it's just, have we seen any follow through on that yet in terms of more marketing or, or more competition, or is that yet to play out in the, in the coming years? So with ABI, we've seen them a little bit of a step ahead. Um, so they've actually, they're still cutting marketing, but a little bit less than their, you know, the other brewer, the other beer players. Um, and they have been gaining market share as well. Um, however, Heineken, who are talking a good game about increasing marketing, we've not actually seen that in the numbers yet. What we have seen from Heineken, though, is we've been told that Bonuses, bonuses paid to senior management now are not going to be paid out if that senior management achieves the desired profit results, but does so by cutting marketing, which to us feels like a pretty firm statement to, of intent that not only do they have to get to their desired financial results in the short term, but they have to do it in such a way that promotes this greater spend, greater investment, greater competitiveness over the long term as well. I think that does make it seem like the next few years will be really important from a from a competitive perspective, and you may see quite a bit of change. But I, I guess we focused a lot on the brewers, but coming back to the spirits a bit, you know, playing devil's advocate, clearly they've done a lot right, and they've they've taken a lot of share. Um, you know, what do they do in this environment if they see the brewers starting to compete more, and and you know they also have other levers like premium spirits, tequila, mezcal. So, so how does that play into how we see this unfolding? You know, Prisoner's Dilemma, they'll probably reply in their own way too. 
Yeah, definitely. And that has been one of the big pushbacks to our thesis that actually it's not just the fact that the brewers weren't investing and the spirits were, but there's other consumer trends that are helping the spirits companies. A few that they've mentioned has been, you know, health and wellness, people drinking less, but drinking better. So they're premiumizing their serve, going from beer to spirits. But also the love of at-home cocktail making during COVID has also, they've all, the spirits companies have also said that that's helped them. But what we feel is that, although that's true, that because the brewers weren't doing anything for such a long time, there's no way of knowing if the spirits had would have been as dynamic of, as they have been had the brewers been investing all the way through that time. So there's a real opportunity there for the brewers to make the alcohol market a more level playing field than it has been for a while. And we're not saying that everything's going to go wrong for the spirits players, but it's definitely been easier than the norm um, for them up till now. And so things are going to get a little bit tougher for them to compete. I, th I think I would say as well that the way we're talking might might imply that the brewers have been completely soporific. That, that's not the case. So you've got a couple of good examples of an Anheuser-Busch InBev brand, Michelob Ultra or Heineken Silver. These are brands that are meant to tap into some of the health concerns that the spirits companies have been exploiting there, low calorie, low carb and so on, and actually have been very successful. So it's not that the brewers have been completely asleep at the wheel, but they haven't really been following through in the same way that spirits companies have. It is clear that we think their focus is, is definitely going to shift. And I think that just reinforces that the next few years really will be quite interesting from a, from a competitive dynamics perspective. So uh, I just want to pause here and say thank you very much to, to, to James and Emma for joining us today. I really think this is, you know, quite an important and interesting piece of analysis. And I really do look forward to seeing, uh, you know, what the companies are doing and how the, the competitive environment changes. So thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.